What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, on another great episode of The Matt Baxter Show. Hanging out with the man, the legend, Paul Kirch. Paul Kirch is just a raw human being. I love how open and honest he is about uh, some of his past, uh, about his failures, his successes, and he's just a fantastic human being. He's the host and and mentor and comes alongside of the Boss Academy, the you know just Boss lifestyle in general. A uh, huge fan of what he's been doing, both from a coming alongside and helping entrepreneurs, coming alongside and helping CEOs, coming alongside and helping business owners in so many different areas of their life. And uh, uh, Paul is just a legend of a human being. So I just want to give much love to him, his business, the movement that he is creating, um, and all that he does. So Paul, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. And I can't thank you enough uh, for the impact that you've had on my life in the short order that we've known each other and the impact that I know you've had on many, many others. You're the man. Thanks, Paul. Paul, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. That is my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So we have just been introduced by like a world of connectors that have led us up today. You have been very patient with the chaos that my schedule is. Uh, so thank you. I've got uh, probably a hundred people listening in that would be like, yep, I totally get that. He like booked it. And then three months later, canceled, canceled schedule. So um, I, I'm sorry to have done that to you. And I'm very glad we're here today. Well, you know, I was willing to chase you until you let me on the show. So <laughs> I'm excited about it. So, I mean, give me, give me the background. Give me the life story. Where, where are we at? Wow, that's a loaded question. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk about from the point of entrepreneurship, because if I go all the way back, it's a, it's a fun story, but it might take a while. So I started my own company in 2009 after spending many, many years in corporate America, not feeling I knew what it took to be an entrepreneur. I was scared to death to do it. I love the security of a paycheck. So when I did do it, it was a huge leap of faith and really life transforming. My first company was a sales coaching and consulting agency because that's what I was doing in my job was leading sales teams and coaching and mentoring. And it was a nice, easy transition, but my clients kept pushing me down the path of bringing on marketing services. And so in 2014, because I had all this experience in sales and marketing, I was at a networking event and the uh, speaker was kind of talking over the head of most of the people in the audience. There was about 70 small business owners in there. And I asked her if I could add some clarification to a couple of the uh, people during Q&A. And she goes, absolutely. She was very gracious. And I guess I handled myself well because afterwards the general manager of a local radio station came up to me and asked if uh, she could have my card. She said that she really was impressed with how I handled myself. And she first said she'd love to have me on one of her shows. Um, they had several syndicated shows, but they had some local shows as well. And she called me about a week later saying, look, we did our research on you. We want to offer your own show. So I had a show that was called Boss Academy that launched in 2014. 2015, I turned it into a podcast because I really wanted to market outside of the Dallas Metroplex. And in 2017, I ended up on a top 10 business podcast list. So all those things are wonderful. At the same time, however, my personal life was kind of in shambles as I was going through a divorce and became a single father overnight and trying to run two businesses and raise these two kids. And I uh, felt that I needed to put something on hold. So I put the show on hold. And long story short, about three and a half years later, 
I decided to bring Boss Academy back, but not as a podcast, but as a community, which is what I always intended it to be. So that's really where a lot of my focus is today. I still run the marketing agency, but a lot of my focus goes into building this community where we have like-minded professionals that are coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs. And we always say that uh, rising tide lifts all boats. And that's a big part of what we do is we just help each other uh, on this journey. We're all staring at the same four walls a lot, and uh, we help each other problem solve, um, support each other, face those challenges that a lot of us face on our own in community. And it's been just life-changing. I love it. So let's first double click on uh, the comment around you were scared of becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, and the, so, so, so kind of probably a multifold question, but first one is, uh, were you, did you enjoy the comfort of the corporate job, the nice paycheck, or were you scared of entrepreneurship? Cause I like one is I'm just afraid of that thing. The other one is I like what I currently have and I don't really feel the need to change that. Which one would you say sort of weighed heavier? Okay. And then the part, the part two, and this might lead your answer, but what in particular about entrepreneurship were you scared of? Well, this is really a great topic because I said I wasn't going to go back to the beginning, but now you're going to force me to go back. <laughs> now we're going to have to. So this is the part, right? I'm supposed to edit out because that's the dumb question I wasn't supposed no. to ask you. <laughs> this, is the, this is really the question that I often lead with or the, the answer I normally lead with because I grew up in a small town in western Nebraska of 365 people. It was a farming community. My dad was a school teacher. My mom stayed home. I wasn't surrounded by entrepreneurial examples of success. Um, I had an aunt and uncle that owned a farmer ranch supply company that were very successful, but I wasn't around them a lot. And so what I saw in, in the form of entrepreneurship or small business ownership was struggle. And I always felt like it was the path I was supposed to go down. But as I was having success in my career, I, I worked in the market research industry for, gosh, 26 years total. And that, uh, that was just an amazing place for me because I kept advancing and I kept getting recognition. Uh, I worked for the Gallup organization, was Innovator of the Year one year. So I had all these like really nice accolades that I had experienced, but I never felt fulfilled. I felt like I was not where I was supposed to be. And so actually I moved from an operations and a project management role into a sales role because I thought that's the closest thing to business ownership without being a business owner. So for me, yeah, I, I loved the idea of being my own boss, but I also was married to that paycheck and that, that security. But over time, when I actually did start and take my, uh, I, I moved out of being in a corporate role and out on my own, it was at a time when I had experienced uh, really a tough situation. So I was working for a company that was acquired by a firm, a European firm, and they micromanaged us to death. And I was an international sales team leader at that point, And I had a great uh, team underneath me and I was doing a lot of leadership and mentoring. And then overnight when this company acquired us, they had me filling administrative roles, doing reporting with the C CFO and and it wasn't a fit for me. I didn't enjoy it. I felt like uh, they had really robbed something of us because my ex-wife at the time was running the operations team and I was running sales and we loved what we did. Uh, Sunday nights were filled with a lot of joy. And then after the acquisition, Sunday nights were filled with a lot of tears and, and stress. And 
So when I negotiated on my contract, my ex-wife was eight months pregnant at the time with my first child, and I left this company because I was I knew our marriage wouldn't survive, and I was that miserable. But what happened is I found myself feeling at that point like I couldn't stomach the idea of going back and working for someone else. I had several job offers I turned down. And my ex-wife at the time said, look, either take one of these jobs or you're going to have to start this company you've always wanted to start. And so I always jokingly say she put her size six shoe in my backside and pushed me off the cliff. But in reality, I thought she was so risk averse she wouldn't want to do it. But then when she supported me, I was all in. So I hope that answers your question because there was a lot to unpack there. But really, for me, it was... I always was inspired by the idea of being an entrepreneur, but I didn't feel like I had the background for it. It's it, it totally answered the question, and it's one of those things that I think um, there's three sort of I don't know three schools of thought a little bit. One is people are overly afraid of entrepreneurship, and it's maybe a bit of false assumption on a lot of things. It's scarier than it is, but they are afraid nonetheless. There are some people who go into it because I want to make a boatload of money and set my schedule. And uh, really, that means I just want to be able to take vacations whenever I want. And they sort of miss what a lot of entrepreneurship is. And then there's actual entrepreneurs who are just going ahead and doing it. And this is broadly overgeneralizing all of this. But it's, it's one of those things when somebody is scared of entrepreneurship and then becomes an entrepreneur... What does that actually look like? And so my my follow up question was going to be this: your fears of you know what what you were afraid of to jump in and do your own thing. What would you say is like a fair reality? Like oh this you know that was a that was realistic, and I, I should have I, you know I, I I thought about that well. And what would you say are oh that wasn't as bad as I thought? And then maybe what's worse than what you thought? Well, it's it's interesting because I often feel, especially in the early days, entrepreneurs work longer hours, they deal with more stress, um, they often get paid less than they would if they were in a, in a, a flourishing role. But you're, you've got freedom and flexibility if you allow yourself to build processes around it. Now, if I could go back in time, my first, I would have done a couple of things. First of all, I would have taken risk much earlier in my career. I would have probably skipped a lot of the path I did and started my own company in my early 20s, if not even earlier than that, because you can afford to take those risks when you're young. It doesn't feel like it, but you can. Taking those risks when you're older is a lot of a challenge. Um, but then when you do take that risk, you have to realize that there are people that have paved the path before you that can show you the way. That doesn't mean you have to go out and hire every coach you find, but you can study what has worked for other people you know they say success leaves clues and that's one of my favorite phrases because it is so true i can follow in the path of someone else who has has done great things that's why i love our community because that's a big part of what we do is we help each other see that there's other ways to do things so i think that that's the biggest challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs is they're trying to figure this out on their own when they don't have to reinvent the wheel they can actually study what's worked and Unfortunately, there's so many people out there pitching their programs and people buy into this and often spend a lot of money on things that don't work. But if you do your homework you know, and do your due diligence, you'll find that there's that path has been paved by a lot of people that are really successful. 
It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's such a good word. I think there's a lot of people out there who are pitching programs to sell programs, but not actually to Im- impact lives. And in our time of, of knowing each other, I know for a fact that is the exact opposite. You're, you're impacting lives um, and, and obviously excited to dive deeper into sort of the community that you've built. But um, it's, it's sort of the, the funny conflict is a lot of entrepreneurs by nature are saying, or business leaders are saying, yeah, let's, let's charge on, let's go do this, let's go build this out, whatever it may be. And then when it actually comes to getting help, they want to create their own process to do so. We're kind of conflicts of sort of what their natural personality is, which is carve your own path, create your own way, that sort of thing. So it, it makes sense why so many struggle with it. But yet, as you just alluded to, you don't have to. You can come alongside a community like what you're what you've built and and join that. So I I, I totally understand it. I as for myself, I certainly ask for help far too late or not at all. And or I try to create my own system for help, which there are plenty of better paths than doing that. You know, Matt, something I did when I first started was I knew I was in over my head in a lot of ways. You know, the first year was for me was a lot of fun. It was a lot of creativity. Actually, I didn't think I was a very creative person until I became an entrepreneur and I had this freedom to create and implement. But I also knew that I needed support. So I went out and reached out to some people that I knew that were successful in their businesses. One of them was a former employer of mine and a great guy. I uh, mentored under him in a lot of different ways. And so I said, hey, look, would you be willing to serve on like a personal board of directors? And by that, I just want to be able to have the ability to reach out to you and ask questions. And and uh, if you can fit that in, maybe you can support me along the way. And maybe we can have a regular call on, a, on occasion. He goes, absolutely. So I got one. And the next thing I know, I reached out to like seven or eight other people. I think I had a total of nine people that had agreed to be on this personal board of directors. And I didn't ever have like a group board meeting. I think there was one time we got to a, a bunch of people together, but for the most part, it was just one-on-ones and it was like, okay, so I need help on the finance side. So one of the people was an experienced CFO and I had somebody that was a experienced sales leader. I had somebody that was a, I had two people that were CEOs of, of sizable companies. And so I found myself this group of people that I could reach out to and learn from. And what I found is that most of them without question, wanted to support me and they were very eager to do that. Most people won't, they won't even make the ask, but there are people out there that want to see us succeed. <laughs> uh, Paul, two, two things that I want to double click on. Uh, number one, I did the same exact thing. I had a personal board of advisors, directors, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I have one for the business that obviously is business focused, but that is out of, out of the, you know, 9,999 mistakes that I've made, the one good decision that I have made was surrounding myself with people. And to your point, um, what I have found is when I've been intentional about asking folks, uh, they're like taken aback by how excited they are to do that. And I mean, some of these are like really significant people publicly, right? Who I've asked and I've just said, hey, and and not, I didn't ask them because of that, but just there are people that I look up to and that happen to have um, some press. And it's one of those things where it's, it's, I've been blown away by how willing people are to help if you just ask them. 
and give them a reason to help or say, look, I'm willing to learn or I'm wanting to learn. And people are like, yes, please. Like, uh, I'm happy to take you out to coffee. I'm happy to buy you a drink, like whatever it may be. People want to see you win, which is a reiteration on what you just said. Well, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. And another group that I actually found at, that I didn't know existed at the time. And then when I discovered it, it's like it was so game changing was scores. Service Corps of Retired Execs, which is a division of the Small Business Association. And they offer free counseling and co- consulting and coaching on different areas. Now, some of these people are, you know, they're, they're seasoned veterans that have retired and they're donating time. But I discovered that there are some people that are still actively employed. They have all this experience. They have some free time and they're volunteering their services to help. So I was able to get help in a lot of different areas, business planning and, and, uh, setting up some technical solutions. I was able to get that support through score for free. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there's resources out there for this. I love it. I love it. So let's, let's, let's take this. Obviously it's all related to kind of the same topic, but walk, walk the, the, the crowd through, you know, what, obviously you've sort of reopened up the, you know, the boss Academy, but it's obviously changed a little bit around, um, from a podcast and now more of a community. So dive in a little bit deeper on what that looks like today and sort of the impact that you're trying to have. Well, thank you. On the show, Boss, I always said, stood for business ownership ownership success strategies, which I think is an important, you know, it's an important uh, acronym and it, and it means something. But over time, I have understood that what people in entrepreneurship really lack is often they lack support, but they really want to find ways to grow their business. So today, Boss is really meant to be a platform where you get support by being a part of it because you can be a part of this. We have a Friday think tank call, which is this deep dive conversation. And every Friday we dive into an area of business that that there's going to be something you're going to take away that you can implement and you can take action. And it's, uh, sometimes it's around mindset, but it's, sometimes it's around practical applications in your business that you might not be aware of solutions, tools, um, that type of activities so that you can actually implement. And that moves you down the path of success just because you're going to have areas of your business that you might not realize that you can automate. You might not realize that there are resources out there for it, but then it comes down to how do you actually grow your business and, and scale? And so, one of the things that's been a really interesting byproduct of membership, and I knew there'd be some, but I didn't expect to the extent, is the collaboration. You know, small business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants often don't really have the most scalable businesses because they're trading time for money in, in, in their model. A lot of times they're not able to manage an active sales pipeline because they're going from engagement to engagement. And when those engagements end, they struggle to bring in clients for a while, and it's, it's a feast or famine model. So through collaboration, they can actually really scale their businesses because they can work with other partners. They can build um, more like almost like a consulting practice. So we built what's called the collaboration zone. So somebody that's a member of Boss Academy that has an expertise in some area, we can feature them in a really high profile way where we don't just do an interview of who's Matt Baxter, but what's Matt Baxter's gift of excellence that he can provide because people in the community are going to want to know who can I work with when it's time to, to, you know, maybe scale my business through another avenue. You know, maybe it's the HR side of the business or something like that. And they can find those resources. 
And then we can market that externally to the public where there's an opportunity for the coach or consultant to actually grow their business because they're getting some opportunity to get new clients in, in an avenue that they would never otherwise. So that's a big part of what we're doing is we're trying to create this platform where you have support. You don't have to go it alone. You take some of that stress off your plate, but then you also have the opportunity to really scale your business in some creative ways. Have you found that um, both within the context of boss, but also outside of that, have you found that entrepreneurs just kind of have a, uh, I'm going to use this term and then I'm going to qualify it. Have you found that people who are ready to be entrepreneurs kind of have a glow about them or is it something that you can, uh, something you can learn? And what I mean by that is like, are there just some people that, you know, they have it, they have it in them, they're ready to go. Not that they're not going to fail or succeed, but they've got it right. Versus some people who just don't. Have you found sort of that? Or do you think that everybody can learn to become an entrepreneur? Well, I think, so I'm going to go against the the grain of, of Gary Vaynerchuk, who I think he has strong beliefs that it's not for everyone. I think anyone can if they find the resources and if they find uh, the ability to actually stay strong when things are not going well. Because it's easy to be successful when money's coming in the door and, and you've got just uh, – clients being thrown at you, but that's not always the case, right? You're going to have times where you need to find ways to be motivated by dr be driven. So I think to your question, most entrepreneurs have to find some why behind their focus. What is that thing that keeps them driven? What's that thing that keeps them every day hungry? Without that, there's a struggle. But I know for myself personally, when I became an entrepreneur, like I mentioned, I didn't think I was a creative person. Creativity just sprung from me. Um, my desire to serve. You know, when I was an employee, I, I wasn't focused on serving. I was focused on being good at my job, but I wasn't focused on serving. Now, that fuels me every day. You know, Matt, I want to make sure that I take the stress and burden off the plate of somebody out there who's struggling. And I think we all have it within us. But if you're motivated by money, just remember when money's not coming in, it's going to be hard to stay motivated. You're going to go into panic mode. So you need something that fuels you. But yeah, I think everybody has it within them if they find the right resources to surround themselves. I love it. I love it. So um, for somebody who wants to just start, what do they do? Well, my personal opinion, go out to bossacademy.com and check it out. <laughs> and, I, and I say that because I really honestly do believe that we have resources that are going to help make a difference. But I think for somebody that really wants to start, there's so much talk. If you, if you, if you post that question on LinkedIn, you're going to get a hundred coaches out there saying, build a business plan, build a business plan. I say, build a business plan you can actually implement. And I found years ago, this concept of a one page business plan, because I built out a business plan that was massive. I didn't, you know, I was making up numbers on the finances. It was all a guess. And the idea of a one-page business plan was something that I could get my head wrapped around. It was something I could implement and something I could follow. So create a plan which actually allows you to take action and follow it and then adapt and then find resources. I think that's the biggest thing is like surround yourself with people that are on a path that you want to follow and 
it's going to make a huge impact and give you so give you an opportunity to be successful in ways you wouldn't if you just try and do this on your own. I love it. So, Paul, beyond obviously just impacting uh, business leaders and people who either have a company and want to take it to the next level or say, I have no idea where I want to start, but I want to start something. Um, what to you kind of beyond that, what what's what's the point of all this? I mean, if you were to I hope this doesn't happen, but if you were to you know, be at a funeral tomorrow or if people were to be at your funeral tomorrow and they were walking around saying, Paul did blank for me. And you had a chance to fill in what that blank was. What would you want that to look like? Well, I'm going to tell you that I have been very touched by some of my members in, within Boss Academy and, and the, the feedback I've gotten. And one of the individuals, I just I have so much respect for her, but she's somebody that has kind of struggled with her own self-belief. And she told me the other day, and she wrote me this really nice message. She said, you know, the one thing about you, Paul, is you believed in me before I believed in myself. And I think that that is so important that we need to find a way of, of seeing greatness in people and helping bring that out. Because I think a lot of people face self-doubt, they fa face fear. And when things aren't clicking the way they want, uh, it's easy for them to go into this fear mode of wanting to leave. But we need entrepreneurs and business owners to be successful. So you need to find a way of tapping into people that can believe in you, even when you don't believe in yourself. Cause I've had that. I went through major period of uh, self doubt after my divorce. Uh, you know, I felt like I was, I felt like I had just uh, gone down this path of massive failure on a personal level and finding people that believed in me when I wasn't ready to believe in myself absolutely snapped me out of it and made me the leader I want to be. <clears throat> Something that I've had a few people tell me in probably moments that um, I haven't been through a divorce, so I can't even begin to like empathize with that. But um, in, in similar sort of in my own personal walk, dark places, uh, one thing that for whatever reason has always just stuck with me as like a little bit of a positive encouragement from either one entrepreneur to another, somebody who, couldn't quite be an entrepreneur, but they wanted to invest into others. But the statement around like you're doing better than you think you are. And I think that's a message to a lot of people who are building companies. Like you don't really arrive at a point where you're like, yep, we finally did it. Like it's a never ending challenge. Yeah. There's some amazing moments that are worth celebrating and, and that, but like it's a nonstop just grind hustle. And it's, it's, it's amazing. But Having somebody sort of share to you like you're doing better than you think you are and just that reminder that I think and and it, at least what I've found in talking to a lot of other business owners, business leaders is like a lot of people kind of deep down feel the imposter syndrome and having just that gentle reminder that like, hey, uh, you might think that you're faking all this. You might think that this is not, you know, but but you're doing better than you think you are has always been a really strong reminder for me. Well, I, I do love that. And I will tell you that I really get irritated with people who have found a level of success who are out there preaching that you shouldn't be hiring somebody that's, that's not, doesn't have all the accolades I do. It's like, look what I've accomplished. I'm so great. And, and why would you hire somebody that's new? But everyone starts somewhere, right? Everyone. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I, I, I remember I was part of this program uh, when I was doing podcasting, I was part of this pro, uh, podcasting group and they assigned us accountability partners. And one of the people in there was, she was very seasoned at, 
media production, but she'd never really done anything with podcasting. And I'm teaching her all these things about editing and microphones. And one day she, uh, she and I having, we're having like regular calls once every couple of weeks. And she says, Hey, I'm launching a course on teaching people how to podcast. You know, Matt, my first instinct was to be really irritated because I was like, really? I'm, I'm showing this person how to do everything in podcasting and they're now out teaching people a course. This makes so no sense. But I sat back and listened and I asked a couple of questions and she explained to me exactly why. She was working with people that knew far less than she did. And I think we take for granted what we know sometimes. And by that, I mean that we we get a level of expertise in like, for example, just using word document, right? Uh, you know how to enter stuff into word, you know how to type, you know how to format, but somebody that's never seen word doesn't know how to do that. And we might think, Oh my God, how, how does somebody not know that? But there's always somebody who knows less than you. And so this woman was working with people that had zero podcasting experience. They had zero media experience and she had a lot to bring to the table. And I think that that's something that's really important, especially as we're starting off, because you're going to hear people say that you don't have what it takes, you don't have enough experience. When experience is gained, it's earned. It doesn't come overnight. And nobody wakes up with all the 20 years of experience. It happens over 20 years, right? I... Uh... It's it's one of those things that you you know you're talking to somebody who forgets how distant from reality they are, or they, they not distant from reality, but you you know when you're talking to somebody who kind of totally forgets that um, they don't remember where they were, or one day, or they don't remember that they knew all the stuff that they knew, and they don't know how to quite articulate to somebody who doesn't know any of the different stuff that they have too. And it's there it, it, that is that is a skill set and a self awareness that I think is. Uh, underappreciated is somebody who has a lot of knowledge, but is capable of speaking to somebody as if they don't have any and, and being able to come alongside. I mean, I, I think that it, that is a uh, remarkable skill set. Well, I remember when I first started looking at building my practice online, I was doing sales coaching and consulting. I thought, well, man, I'm going to build a course and sell it online. This, this must be easy. And so I went out and started doing some research and I found this, uh, series of interviews that Tony Robbins had done called Money Masters. And it was great. He interviewed Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, uh, Evan Pagan, all these people that were really successful in internet, market, internet marketing at the time. I didn't even know that industry existed, at least not in a formal manner. And then all of a sudden I find out that these people that had this like structured programs and things you could just buy into their program and learn from them. And I became a sponge. And all of a sudden, a couple of years later, I'm sitting here with all this vast amount of knowledge that two years ago, I didn't even know that industry existed. And I think that that's what's going to happen with anybody who goes into business with themselves. They're going to gain a level of experience. Um, they're going to practice their craft and hone skills that they, and they're going to create things that a few months earlier, a few days earlier, a few weeks earlier, they had none, none of that. And that is where the opportunity to become really successful and to pave your own path just comes into play. And that's also part why community is so great because you can bounce ideas off of people, get feedback and learn, is this going to work? Is this resonating? Because a lot of times it's the uh, can't see the forest for the trees mindset that so many marketers 
are out there talking about their features and benefits and the services they offer, but their buyers are buying on a subconscious level. They're tapped into emotional needs. They're tapped into uh, what is it that I'm really trying to overcome in my own life? You know, what are those hurdles I'm facing? And so I'm buying based off of emotion and you're selling based off of fact. That often is a major disconnect. So that's why community is so great because you can say, hey, is this resonating? Is this working? I love it. I love it. So, Paul, um, my favorite question in the, on the planet is uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And it's, it's um, yes, there's some practical reasons, which are totally good reasons to get out of bed, but it's also more of a what's broader kind of pushing you to continuously uh, do what you're doing, live the life that you're living, serve the people you're serving. What's, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, what gets you out of bed? In the well, life? there's two answers. One, coffee, but I don't think that's the answer you want. Hey, sometimes that's a good one though. Sometimes <laughs> what people forget about what people forget about is there's entrepreneurial days that they're not mountaintops and sometimes coffee is the only thing that can get you out of bed in the morning. So I get it. Interesting fact here. COVID hit a lot of people in hard ways and I was in isolation for a long time. I got to spend more time with my kids than I ever had. And it was a blessing in a lot of ways. But a lot of my clients were small, and so they went into absolute fear mode. So there was definitely a lack of abundance in terms of finances because my clients were they were going into fear mode, not paying their bills. And, you know, what can you do? You can't sue them and go after them. These people are struggling just like everyone else. And so it gave me a lot of time to reflect. And what I really started to realize is that I was missing something in my life. And for a long time, I had been trying to do this on my own. I came from community. I have been a part of masterminds. And I really was struggling with this idea of motivation. I wasn't enjoying what I did. I didn't feel fulfilled. When I brought Boss Academy back online, it brought back to light all those things that I was missing, that, that idea of, of being surrounded by people who are on this great path. So I wake up every day now knowing that I'm making a difference in the lives of, of people that I'm very close to. They trust me. They know that I have their best interests at heart, and we're building something really special. But um, one of my members, who's a business coach, and she actually was doing some work with me she's just an incredible mindset coach. She, she said that uh, she starts her day off with one message. And I started adopting this a while ago, and it has been transforming. She says, something amazing is going to happen today. I feel it. So in my calendar, every morning, one of the first things I see is this message that says, something amazing is going to happen to me. I feel it. And I say that. I shout that mantra. It, it gets me up every day excited to serve because I know that there's something that's going to happen today. That's going to be amazing. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm going to be on Matt Baxter's show. You know, <laughs> hey, in all seriousness, you know, Matt, I have a lot of respect for you. So it's, it's a blessing, but in any context that I look at it, I'm starting the day off on a positive note. Even if I'm going to hit a storm, that's going to be, a tough one to weather. I know that I'm starting from a place of positivity and I can end my day in a place of positivity because I can finish the day off saying something amazing happened to me today and show some gratitude. So that's the stuff that fuels me every single day. 
I love it. Um, Paul, that gets me fired up and I might start sending that text to a few people and just say, hey, by the way, something amazing is going to happen today. I think my sales guys might need that as just a general little positive encouragement. <laughs> but no, that's, uh, that's such a good word. So Paul, for anybody who wants to reach out to you, whether it's uh, here, you know, learn more, join the community at Boss, or just follow along with some of the great things that are you're doing. What's the best way for them to tag along, get in touch, reach out, the whole thing? Well, you can go out to paulkirch.com and directly message me. That's P-A-U-L-K-I-R-C-H.com. Or I prefer you go out to bossacademy.com and check out what we're, we're doing from the community side. And that's a great place to also message me. And I, uh, I'm also... I live on LinkedIn like a lot of people, so I'm sure you'll share my LinkedIn profile in your show notes. Um, we sure can do that. So, Paul, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Matt Baxter, thanks again for having me on. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Map Action Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.